On Pop Fiction Women, we explore what it means to be a complicated woman. Tired of endless variations of leading men next to one-dimensional archetypes of women, or strong female leads written by men that were essentially guys in women's bodies. We started this show to highlight the many female characters in entertainment worth exploring, as well as the women who dreamt them up. And now we're adding those creators to our conversations, discussing their process and passion in bringing these women to life. Welcome to Complicated Conversations. On these episodes, there's no spoilers. So come on, it's starting. On this episode of Complicated Conversations, we are joined by Iris Yamashita. Iris Yamashita is the Academy Award-winning screenwriter of Letters from Iwo Jima. She has been working in Hollywood for 15 years and continues to develop for both film and streaming media. She has taught screenwriting at the University of California, Los Angeles, and the American Film Institute. City Under One Roof is her debut novel. Thank you so much for joining us today, Iris. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Can you give us uh, and our listeners uh, just the elevator pitch for this book? Because it's so good. Sure. So City Under One Roof is about a female detective. Her name is Kara Kennedy. And she's trying to solve a gruesome murder in a tiny Alaskan town where all the full-time residents live in a single high-rise building. She becomes trapped there in this lock city mystery when a blizzard causes an avalanche and closes the single lane tunnel, which is the only way to get to the city. Yes. The only way in or out. Uh, so the book involves or sort of implicates this whole community of people, as you said, that lives in this single high rise building, but you do choose to tell the story from three points of view. So you mentioned Kara, the, the big city detective. Uh, there's also Amy, the local teen who finds the body that sets this story in motion. And then Lonnie, uh, the longtime resident who loves her pet moose, Denny. Uh, so without giving anything away to those who haven't read it, this is spoiler free. We'd love to hear sort of why you chose to tell this story through these um, three women and, and have each of them have their own points of view. Yes, I really enjoy reading books that have multiple uh, narrators, and I love listening to audiobooks as well when they have several narrators. It's always very intriguing. And just the thought of being able to inhabit the mind of different characters is appealing as a writer to explore uh, different viewpoints and, and interesting personalities. Uh, and I... I think the inspiration was originally from going through this narrow single lane tunnel that I had yeah. mentioned earlier, which was the only way in or out, which felt like, you know, I was dropping down a rabbit hole and that I would end up in this wonderland that had a lot of quirky characters that were unique, like in, in Alice in Wonderland. Mm -hmm. And so that's where... Um, the inspiration for these characters kind of came from. For instance, Kara is like Alice. She's, mm. you know, she's the one dropping into the strange world. And then the second voice is Amy Lynn, who's a teenager, and she's the one who discovers the body parts. And she's sort of the white rabbit that yeah. uh, the investigator yeah. chases yes. for clues. Mm -hmm. 
And then there, the third voice, um, Lonnie Mercer, who has a mental disability and she wears a different colored beret every day is sort of the Mad, Mad Hatter, Hatter. That's really, Oh okay. my gosh, that's fantastic. Just, yeah, mm-hmm. that's so good. Well, as you mentioned, of those three women, Kara is really the driving force of this story. Uh, she's the one we're following. She's the one who's un- unraveling this mystery. And I have to tell you that I audibly gasped at the end of page 20. Now, I know that's not maybe not a spoiler, but it's Kara's first chapter, and we learn that she's endured something really unthinkable. Mm-hmm. And again, although there are three points of view, this is really her story. And the book jacket says, will Kara be able to unravel the town secrets before she completely unravels? And it just struck me how afraid we all are of unraveling. But how unraveling can lead you to getting to the core of something. It can lead you to a place where you're ready to open up in some ways. Mm-hmm. So what did you want to explore with Kara's journey here? Well, I feel like, again, this is a place where everyone has a secret. And so I thought, well, the protagonist must also have a secret. So this is where I had to really kind of delve into finding out what her backstory was and why was she there and how that could develop her character and give her an arc. And, you know, so uh, there's also the idea of having some sort of past trauma, which would help make her character more claustrophobic because uh, this town is very claustrophobic. Um, I mean, you first you have to get through a tunnel to get there, and then you're enclosed in one building, and there are lots of tunnels throughout. So I just thought, oh, yeah, yeah, that would be great if you know there was something in her character that made this even scarier for her. Uh, I yeah, actually I, do I, get I claustrophobic, yeah, in real life, and reading the description of the oh tunnel, and then when you said it was like two and a half miles or something, I don't know if I'm getting that right, but I felt constricted. Like I was oh like, my gosh. you know, and I did. It's weird, you know. Even in you know, I live in New York, the Midtown Tunnel, even that. But that's you know, five minutes to go through. I thought, oh, how long must that take? And then, yeah, the buildings and the building, the high rise having tunnels. I don't know. I felt the claustrophobia. So you did. You did a yeah, very you good did your job work. there with, yes. the, with the imagery. Um, yeah. And that leads to my next question, really, which is, you know, you don't think of small town Alaska and a high rise apartment building in the same image or the same sentence. And so you, this this setting of these infamous Davidson condos having 205 people full time living under one roof. Um, it's just such a great setup. And so I'm curious, you know, what gave you this idea? It's actually inspired by a real city. The real town is called Whittier, Alaska, but I changed mine. I gave it a different name, Point Meteor, and I changed some of the geography and it gave me a little more freedom to work with uh, the story. And of course, the characters are not based on anybody real, but it was originally built as a military base Mm. and I think it was supposed to be like a secret military base so that's why you had to get through a tunnel to get there and there were originally two high-rise buildings where all the military personnel lived and then there was an earthquake in 1964 that kind of decimated this uh the base and it closed down and so one of the high rises is just an empty shell and then the other um building they turned it into these condominiums where um, present-day residents live. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And so just how did you stumble upon this city, this idea, even though it's taken from real life, what, how did you stumble on it and what kind of set your mind? You're like, okay, this has got my wheels turning now. Is that how it works? Yeah, I had seen a documentary mm-hmm. over 20 years ago um, because back then you couldn't go there by car. You had to go on a train. Um, the train was the only way in or out. And then in 2000, they opened up the tunnel to car traffic. So now you can go there by car. So I just had that setting in the back of my mind because it just seemed like a cool, yeah. you know, kind of creepy town yeah. that, uh, I mean, I, it's, I don't think it's creepy in real life, but it just, in my mind, I thought yeah. it could be a really creepy place to set something. And it took over 20 years to come up with a, an actual story, which I had originally thought of as um, something for uh, streaming media, such as, you know, Amazon or Netflix or something like that. So I had, was coming up with an idea for a series and even beyond. And so when did you decide to make it into a novel? When did you think, because you had said, you know, a couple things you said earlier made me think, I see your strengths, like you like the multiple points of view, because that's cinematic. That's, you know, a movie we would be seeing more than one point of view. But then you said you liked being in their heads and inhabiting that space, which is very novel, you know, that's very more, different. Yes, exactly. So or when did you decide? Audible, like you're saying, like even you like to hear the different yeah. voices. That to me made me think of like, a, a again, like cinema or, or listening to, it's another different medium. Yeah, so I had always wanted to write a novel, um, but uh, I could never finish a novel. When I, uh. when I was starting out, when I was starting to write, before I went to screenwriting, and screenwriting was a lot faster because there's less pages or at least for a film there's you know a hundred pages about give or take um and uh a lot of white space so it was a lot easier to actually finish a screenplay so I turned to screenwriting um but my you know my first love was always writing novels and I think the tools that screenwriting taught me um, helped me become more disciplined and better at working out a story and outlining and so on and so forth. And so um, we had, uh, I actually, when I thought of this idea for streaming, I wrote a pilot um, as a sample yep. because I don't have a foot in the door for this world of streaming. And some producers really did like this the pilot and thought, oh, you know, keep working on it and work out a whole season. So I did that work, which was, um, it took a long time to come up with, you know, a season's worth of story and um, coming up with the characters and the arts, which changed a lot when, when I switched over to writing a novel. But I felt like at the end of that, that I had so much material that, you know, I could write a novel based on <laughs> right. all the work I had done. Yes, yes. Yeah. So that leads um, perfectly your, to your question. Yeah, it does. Because we're talking um, sort of about your path to publication and, and to this um, novel. And I've heard you say that you were always a storyteller. But, you know, I do know from doing my research that, that you did not start off that way, that you earned um 
degrees in engineering, you started your career in a software company, and yet you knew in your heart that you were a writer, not an engineer. So you took classes at night and found the courage to pursue what you felt was really your true identity. And we we love stories like that. Um, but yours has a really, really great twist, which is you then got this once in a lifetime opportunity to pitch a script to Clint Eastwood which ultimately earned you an Oscar nomination uh, for Letters from Iwo Jima. And that also got a Best Picture nomination. I mean, the stuff of Hollywood dreams. So so tell us about that. I mean, just sort of your path generally. Yeah, that was, um, it was a lightning strikes moment. You know, it was kind of unheard of because I had not uh, had any credits before that movie. I, yes, I was working as a, engineer. And um, so I had a day job. Uh, But at night, again, it was my passion to write. So I was taking classes in um, first writing novels, and then to writing screenplays. And I just started entering contests. And then one of the um, contests that I won, uh, there was a a CAA agent, creative artist agency Mm -hmm. um, agent who was judging. So I got picked up uh, by her and so um, this job for letters from Iwo Jima, that was originally, I think Paul Haggis was um, supposed to write it because he wrote Flags of Our Fathers mm-hmm. for Clint Eastwood. And, um, but he was just so busy. He had so many other projects he was working on and they wanted someone who had a little more authenticity in um, Japanese culture. So my agent put me up for it, even though we're like, this is a long shot. You know, it's Clint Eastwood. It's, uh, <laughs> you have no other credits. But I pitched the story and they really liked it. They, I just knew they didn't have a story. They, I just knew that they wanted to tell the Japanese perspective. And there was a general, you know, they had a little bit of information on this general. But I just kind of ran with it and did the multiple you know, points of view again mm-hmm. with different different characters, and they really liked it. And so I, you know, it was miraculous that I got the job. Well, you said it was a lightning strikes moment, but let me tell you, lightning strike moments don't happen when you're not pursuing what you love, right? That only mm-hmm. happens when you're really putting yourself out there and you you know what you want and you're kind of going after it odds be damned so it's always something we love to hear about people who are like I I just this is it I know this is it and I have to go for it so I want to also just mention or go back to your path to publication of this book too so when you decided you were going to write it as a novel did you have a connection in the publishing world did you have an agent a lit agent at that point or how did all that happen for you uh, no, I did not have a connection. Actually, I did try my agency in Hollywood first. I said, do you have a literary department? And I think they, you know, they're not as connected, the screenwriting yeah, and the they're not uh, yeah. literary. So it just kind of disappeared um, in a black hole. Mm-hmm. And so then I thought, well, I'll, I'll just try myself. And so I just went the old fashioned route and I just took the guide to literary agents and I looked up um, agents that I thought, oh, you know, they might be open to new writers and this genre. And I just made a spreadsheet and I was just going to contact, you know, <laughs> each one until someone said yes. 
And in my first batch of three, I had only written six chapters. Mm -hmm. So one of them got back to me. And um, she said, Oh, this this sounds interesting. Can you send me the rest of the manuscript? And I said, Oh, I, I don't have the rest of the manuscript. It isn't written yet. And she said, Oh, dear, no, 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 you're supposed to query after, after. you finished the manuscript. So come back to me when you're done. And so I thought, oh, okay, so I put it on the back burner. And I was teaching and I was writing scripts still. And so I was going at a, you know, at a very snail's pace on the book. But this uh, agent, who is now my agent, Lucy Carson, mm -hmm. she was very persistent and she was very encouraging. And she just kept saying, well, have you have you finished it yet? You know, yeah. <laughs> what else have you got? You know, and she would just, just check in on me and say, you know, how's it going? Is it done? Is it done? And after two years, I still <laughs> hadn't finished it. But it was in the middle of COVID in 2020. And she said, you know, these are really strange times. And who knows what, what will happen. But why don't we try sending your partial manuscript oh, to, wow. uh, and we'll give an exclusive to a publisher and see what happens. Wow. And that was Berkeley. Yes. And they, uh, I talked to the editor and um, I told her how the rest of the story would play out. And um, I also, because I had been thinking about it for streaming, I also told her, oh, and I had an idea for season two, and um, I pitched her a season two, and she, uh, you know, it was miraculous, again, another lightning strikes yeah. moment where she, where I got um, not just a one book deal, but a two book deal. Oh, wow. that's fantastic. Well, you are clearly a professional, and that yes. is very evident, and that is probably a lot of the battle with with otherwise doing things when you're not sure people can follow through, you were going to follow through. So that's fantastic. I love that story. That is amazing. But I mean, you know, I just feel like people hear these stories. I mean, you get this Oscar nomination and that now just all doors will open in anything you want to do. And, and like, yeah, you've just pointed out, first of all, screenwriting and that world is very different than publishing and this world. So it's not as if there are immediate connections and doors open, but also, you know, I've heard you talk about just, you know, the adversity that you faced in terms of even getting more movies done after being Oscar nominated. So, so, you know, tell us a little bit about that, because I do feel like people really like to hear these stories because there's lots more rejections as we all know who yeah. try to do these things than there are these lightning strikes moments oh yes definitely um be prepared for a lot of rejection mm -hmm. <laughs> in hollywood especially but also because you know whatever your success is that was that's what you become pegged as, mm -hmm. you know, you have the brand. And so my brand became um, the Asian historical writer, which uh, back when I wrote Letters from Iwo Jima, which was, you know, 2006, it was very, very uncommercial. Um, you know, who wants, who wanted to go see Asians in a historical where the leads were all Asian. So back then it was very closed off. I mean, I think recently it's changed um, a lot. It's much more open now to diversity and the kinds of stories that, uh, you know, that, uh, I mean, just with the Golden Globes yeah. seeing, um, mm. 
you know, everything everywhere yes. all at once being such a huge success. It's just amazing. Yes. And so I think it's a much more open world now. But back then it was much more difficult. So it was just a road of rejections or getting um, uh, screenwriting jobs that um, producers were open, more open, I think, than the studios themselves. So there, there were people who were willing to pay me as a screenwriter, but getting to that final you know, product the, to production was much, much, much more difficult. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. So my next question, and I think our, one of our last is kind of an odd one, but I, I think if you bear with me, it kind of ties together when there is so much rejection and then also these lightning strikes moment are, are all we're really hoping for because everything has to come together and align in ways that don't seem to make logical sense at all. Um, you have to have something to believe in, something that keeps you going. And, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast about what those things are. Sometimes we use astrology personally, like we use that as a way to surrender. Something else is happening, waiting for stars to align. We talk about tarot cards and tuning into our intuition. We think about dreams and what our subconscious is telling us. And I wondered if you have something like that that carries you through those times and saying, okay, this is this is all going to make sense sometime. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, I think it's just that it's in my bones to write. Like, I think I would be writing regardless yeah. of whether it's mm. sold or not. Like, you just keep doing it as a hobby or whatever. I mean, I just love the craft of writing and I enjoy being around writers. So I think that's helpful, too, to have a support group of other writers and, you know, like a therapy session. Like, I have a writer's group and it's part therapy, yeah. part actual writing where we just commiserate, you know, yeah. <laughs> with whatever, yeah. what's going on. But I also feel like there's nothing else I can do at this point. Like, I feel like, you know, I'm the, the you know, the older writer now. I mean, I don't know if I could go back to, I, I certainly couldn't do engineering anymore because I've forgotten everything. I think I used to be a lot smarter when I was younger, but now I, could, I wouldn't be able to do it. And so this is the only thing I can do, really. Right, right. I love that. It's in your though. bones. In your yes, bones. I like I love that. that. You're betting on yourself and 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 community too. That is yeah, how you get that. through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So Keep we deep. also yeah. always um, yeah. like to yeah. find out sort of what you're loving. Um, if there are books that you're reading or shows you're watching or things you're obsessed with, and since you're sort of in both worlds or have been in both worlds, both the TV and movies and and books, like we'd love to hear what it is that is sort of got your interest. Well, I'm kind of new to the mystery genre. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't been avidly watching or I, yeah, I don't even watch procedurals. Um, and I, uh, you know, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't been reading a lot of mystery. So I'm, I'm trying to catch up a little bit on in that world. And right now um, I'm reading Mary Kubica, mm-hmm. and she has, um, I'm reading one of the older books, um, The Other Misses, which I'm really enjoying, mm-hmm. and I know she has another book out which I, which I bought I that have I haven't right gotten into yet. <laughs> I have it right Yes, just the she, nicest couple, yes. and she was so kind, she actually does have a blurb for me, 
and I read Naomi Hirahara's Clark and Division, and um, I'm trying to get through, uh, there's a whole long list of things that I have to read for sure that I have to get into this genre more. Good. So I'm a little more educated on, on in this world. Oh, there's plenty. And those are, that's a great place to start. So you said you sold this in a, in a two book deal. So how right. is book two going? Yeah. Yes. So um, it's too soon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> too soon to sell. I need to get it in in the next few weeks um and it it uh it, i'm definitely um going through it a little bit faster than uh it took me as i said it took me years to write the first, the first one. one but no not full time but on the side so you know i love writing but i don't think writing is ever easy so it always feels difficult yeah. and you know there's so many drafts that you have to go through and it you know it's never exactly perfect of course so you know you're always worried you know the the writer's mind is oh no people aren't going to like this as much as <laughs> yeah. the first book or you know there's all these yes. things that run through your head oh well we can't wait to see i assume we'll be seeing more of kara yes yes you yes. will see some of the same characters and then you'll also meet some, some new, new ones, ones. So. fantastic well city yes. under one roof is out now it's a fantastic read such i mean it reads like the setting and and the prose it reads like you just can't put it down so uh pick that one up thank you so much yes thank you so much thank you for having me this has been pop fiction women with corinne and kate if you enjoyed this show please tell the complicated women in your life and the men who love them yes tell them to listen and then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at Pop Fiction Women or on Twitter at Pop underscore Women. For more coverage of the women you love or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com. And keep it complicated.